0: so would you open your bibles with me if you have them to matthew 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 is an interesting kind of capture book there because he begins with the genealogy of christ which is an important thing but we're going to go right past that Uh, and then he goes into the birth of christ not quite as much as luke does but matthew shares the story and then john the baptist Coming and what happened and the experience of John and Jesus coming down to the River Jordan where Jesus was baptized. And then we go through the temptations of Jesus right after the baptism and through the three temptations uh, there and how the angels revived him. And then tucked right at the end of that, right at the beginning, as this story kind of unfolds, as it kind of rolls out for you, I would like for you to pick up there. We're going to pick up the story with uh, chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Would you pick that up with me this morning? Chapter 12, uh, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 12. And when Jesus heard that John had been put into prison. So we don't know exactly about that time. A little, little more time had passed. But Matthew is not trying to sh- lay everything out exactly in order. He's trying to share with us a theme as it goes through. Okay, so here he says, "Harry's in prison, and Jesus." I put Jesus in there so you know the context. Jesus withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went to live in all places. John Capernaum. Now I actually saw John uh, uh, Tomlinson in Capernaum. Uh, John, I saw you there. He was up there walking around, and there is a synagogue that is there that Jesus went to. It is still there. I'll show you a picture of it in a minute if we get that up. But it was in the synagogue there, and there that uh, place was. And when he went to the lake of the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, those were the tribes that were on the northern side of Israel, to fulfill what was said by the prophet Isaiah. So now what is going to happen is he's going to share a passage from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, 1 and 2. He's going to share with us this passage that came out about this experience of Jesus actually going and going up to Capernaum. And he said there, and in in looking at verse 15, Now the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, speaking of the Galilee, Lake Galilee, Beyond the Jordan, north of the Jordan, the people living, it said there, excuse me, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living, notice that, the people living in darkness have seen a great light, the Bible says, which Isaiah wrote, that these people have seen a great light, and those living on the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now, Isaiah is predicting this hundreds of years before. The what something that was going to happen in the northern shore of Galilee. In Capernaum, what would happen and what it was talking about, that Jesus was coming. Jesus was coming to that spot. He was coming to that place. Reading on verse 17. Now from that time on, Jesus began preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come. Now, you may have, in the King James Version, where the kingdom of heaven is here or has come. Has come near. The same expression drawn from, the same idea can be drawn from that. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, John the Baptist, John the Baptist was unique. And John the Baptist, we believe, John the Baptist had gotten his theological training, as it were, from the Qumran community. The Qumran. John and I saw that as we were driving by the bus. The Qumran community was a place where they traded and created the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so they took and it was very much this this group of people who thought it was very important that they preserve the scriptures. So they wrote these out and made copies and they put them in jars. Are you familiar with the story? And so they put them in these jars and they hid them up in the caves up in the gates and it was not until 1947 that a little shepherd boy found that those jars and they pulled out and the first one they pulled out was the scroll of Isaiah that they pulled out of that isn't this unique that they would find that this particular place this particular place John we believe because John dressed like them he talked like them he came and then he went to the Jordan River which was right there went to the Jordan River And at the Jordan River, he began to share this important truth. And it was talking about the voice crying in the wilderness. Are you familiar with that? You can see that in his passage. Well, just turn back to chapter 3 a little bit. As he was going and he was making this confession with them, John the Baptist, if you look at verse 2, chapter 3, verse 2, he said to them, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or has come or has drawn near. Why, it's the same exact, same exact wording, the same exact message that John the Baptist was proclaiming as he was standing on the shoreline of the Jordan River. And he was saying to them, preaching to them, repent, repent and turn. Why should I repent? Because the kingdom of heaven has come. It is there. It has arrived. Pointing to you. Now, we tend to think, and as the people were looking around, they were going, how could this be? Jesus picks up that same exact theme from John the Baptist at the timing of it, that the kingdom of heaven has come. Isaiah was saying that up in Capernaum, the great light had come. A new light had dawned. All of that is all hooked together. All the same part of the same theme coming out, that the kingdom, but... (laughs) But the... uh, The people would look and they would say, well, the kingdom of God, and they looked at it in a different than we do. They would say, well, the kingdom of God is coming in the future. We look at that same thing, don't we? And we have it in our Lord's Prayer. We say, we'll say in the Lord's Prayer, we'll say this to them. We'll say, thy kingdom come. Remember? We say that. Thy will be done. Are you familiar with the Lord's Prayer? Um, that Jesus taught, and then we would inject in there, thy kingdom to come, <laughs> see, that, that came, because we're looking forward to when the world comes, when Jesus comes. Now, they looked at it in a different way because the disciples, if you recall in Matthew 24, when Jesus had gone up with the disciples, this is shortly before he was crucified, he was up there, and John, he was coming out the east gate, you know, as we looked at, as he came out and he came down to the valley and went up into the valley, and they turned around and Jesus said and looked at them and they were marveling at the beauty of the temple up there on Temple Square. He were looking at the beauty of the temple that was there. And it was a white marble, made it look like from a distance like there was snow on it. And so he was looking at that and he was showing that and they were so proud of that. And Jesus turned and said, you see those? see that temple? Not one stone will be left upon another. And they were shocked, because this had taken years to put together, many, many years to put together. And they were shocked. So so they asked him three questions. They asked him in Matthew 24, they said, "Well, well, when will this be? What will be the sign of your coming? What will be the sign of the end of the age? They were asking, when is this going to happen? Because they were projecting, looking into the future. That the kingdom of God would be coming in the future we do that today we say we look forward to the second coming of Christ do we not when Jesus will come and have but the Bible says the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven has come now I want you to grasp this because this is the heart of it How could Jesus say that the kingdom has come? We tend to look at kingdom in a material way. We tend to look at the kingdom as there's going to be our home, Jesus' second coming, it all changes. But when Jesus spoke about the kingdom, the reason he could talk about the kingdom is because he was the king. Wherever the king is, the kingdom is. Okay, Wherever Jesus is, his kingdom is. Jesus could say that the kingdom is now here, because the king was here. Now, when Jesus was crucified, they put a sign up, and the Jews hated it, but they put a sign up there. And they put a sign, Pilate did it, it said King of the Jews. Really? And that's when they proclaimed, said, No, 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 not King of the Jews, no, no, no. We have no king but Caesar. We talked about that last week. So he's saying that that there is a king, Jesus the king, but Jesus is not the king of the Jews. He's the king of every human. He's the king of the universe. Is he not? Is he not the ruler? over the whole universe God rules so wherever Jesus is there is the kingdom how could that be how could it be that wherever Jesus is well when Jesus is around his authority his leadership his kingship always was present But Jesus died, buried, and resurrected, and ascended into heaven. The king is gone. The king is gone. It's not here. We just said, wherever the king is, his kingdom is. Right? Okay. Keep your hand there. Matthew 28. Last verse in Matthew 28. Last verse. There we go. We're on the back, but we're not on the front. We're going to do fine. Just Guys, don't panic. So, Last verse, Matthew 28. And Jesus is speaking to them. He gives the great gospel commission. The great gospel commission. And then he said, And surely, last phrase, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you always, that was the promise that God would give to us, and we understand that, and those who understand this, that it came through the working of the Holy Spirit, that I will be with you always, all right, that being true then, that being true, that Jesus is with us always, then the kingdom did not leave, Huh? If we, if we say that Jesus is with us always, as his promise was, I will be with you always, then the kingdom itself did not leave. Oh, you guys are doing great. You're catching up here. Um, it's on the back screen, so we're good. How is it possible then? How is it possible that the kingdom could still be present? When Jesus said, I am with you always, I will be with you always to the end, how is it possible that the kingdom could still be present then? How does that work out? How does that make that go? How does that process us through so that we know what is taking place? And the way it is, the way it works, how it works, is because the kingdom lives in the lives and the action of Jesus' followers. You and me. We are the ones who take the kingdom on. We live in the kingdom. We recognize who is God, who takes over. We live that way. So we're living in the kingdom if it is in the lives and in the actions of us. All right, here comes the stickler here the part that speaks to me. I like sermons that preach to me. <laughs> if they preach to me, then I hope they preach to you. So I try to preach sermons and share sermons that preach to me. Do you, does that make sense to you? That, that I get, ah, Lord, thank you for, for healing me. Thank you for taking it. So what does that look like? All right, so what happens right after this passage that we read in Matthew 4. He goes on in, and Matthew takes us right to the Sermon on the Mount. A sermon, we've been there. Been there, John. Right there under the Sermon on the Mount, on the North Lake Galilee. So so there is the place where he gives, and he gives the Beatitudes. Thank you for reading it. Karen read that. He read the Beatitudes. This is a blessed part. But then he goes on to say, what more is there in the part of that? What more do we have in the outline of that? What part of the Sermon on the Mount illustrates to us how do we live in the kingdom? How do we be part of that? How do we extend that kingdom? And so this is how we act. The first one Jesus mentioned to us is we love our enemies. Mm-hmm. Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! And when someone has done something to us. It's hard for us. I'm going to love them. In other words, I'm going to work for their good. When I was in the uh, fourth grade, there was a, uh, I'm not gonna mention Russell's name at all. Don't even wanna mention that. There was a kid in my class, and I don't know what happened or how it all came about, but all of a sudden he punched me right in the mouth. Bang! I didn't hit him back. I don't know why he hit me. But he just let it fly. Ouch. And it bled a little bit in my mouth. And My mother took me to the dentist. And I had to do some work on it. And all And how did I feel about Russell? Russell was off my friend list. Gone. And for years. I just liked it. Somehow. I didn't see Russell after the fourth grade. I don't know where he went. Maybe he thought that was enough. Hit me and he could go on other places. But never saw him again. But the anger I had about it lasted for a long time. But Jesus said, if you're going to live in the kingdom, if you're going to be part of the kingdom, then you're going to love your enemies. Second thing he mentioned was you are to... Give to the needy. Give to the needy. Give to the needy. To be generous to the needy. I thought, you know, the times that I've given and shared out like and given, I've never then needed it after that. Hmm. Helping others, helping them out when they're in need. Jesus said, that's what it's like to be in the kingdom, is that you give to the needy. Another thing that he mentioned was that we store up your treasure in heaven. Store up your treasure. And we talked about that. Someone was mentioning that just this morning at our call for our offering. Strengthening our treasure in heaven. That's where we're going to save it. Treasure in heaven. Another thing he mentioned was that we stop worrying about tomorrow. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Somehow it quit. Somehow, it's, oh, come on, there we go. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Are you a worrier? Oh, well, sometimes I am. Men get, oh, I don't, know, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to, blah, 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 blah. And oh, all I stay awake at night and do all these kind of things. Jesus was saying, Can you trust me? Can you trust me? Now, sometimes as a pastor, I worry about things at the church. No, 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 but this is not my church. I go here, I'm the pastor here, but this is his church, his responsibility. I'm only a vessel to work here, is that not right? Sometimes we say, this is, this is my pulpit, you know, I'm my pulpit. When I go, this pulpit's not going with me, it stays here. You know, so in reality it's not my pulpit. So, so just don't stop worrying about it. Another thing he mentions is you are to quit judging others. That's all in that sermon on the mount, quit judging others. That doesn't mean we don't have discernment about what's truth and error, but the judgment of others. It's so easy to judge other people. We seem to seem to do that. And you'll see somebody in a picture and so forth, and we'll go, oh. Quickly judge them. Make it happen. And then last thing Jesus talked about. He said seeking Jesus. Ask. Seek, knock. And it she be opened unto you. Seeking of Jesus. Seeking and following him. Those elements, those parts, those parts are what it means to actually be living in the kingdom. And if you're... In my place, and you're facing the reality of that, the reality is that I fall short of that. I want to be like that. I want to do that. but the reality is that the thing that keeps preaching at me and why this message keeps Bill. To live in the kingdom. This is what it's like to live in the kingdom. This is what it's like to extend the kingdom to others. This is how you are to be to others. That's what it's like. That's why the kingdom has come. When I move through my people. And they recognize the needs of others. Not judging them. Stop worrying. Seek me. So this morning... And for the summer as you go. Jesus would ask you, are you coming? You can be part of the kingdom? It's your choice, my choice. Well, I want to be part of the kingdom. My commitment is, Lord, I want to be part of that kingdom. Wherever happens throughout my life, I want to be able to reflect you. I want to do that. Forgive me when I am not, Lord. Forgive me when I fall short of that. But I make a commitment, Lord, I want to live in the kingdom. And you're my Lord, my King, and I want to be in your presence so that the kingdom extends on. Dear Lord, I thank you for that message that Jesus gave about the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and even though you have a heaven, you promised that you would be with us. Lord, I thank you for that great, great truth that we can live in the kingdom now. Why? Because our actions and our relationships with others. And as we go forward, Lord, I ask you be with us as we do so. Thank you for your precious truth. And may this summer be an opportunity for us to refresh, to renew our commitment to you as our Savior and Lord. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.